The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your back-end architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Their global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. Today we are joined from one of our members that uh, physically is the furthest away from Medical Alley's headquarters, but is closely connected to the community, the ecosystem, and to the industry. I'm so pleased to be joined by Claude Saltario, who's the Managing Director of Medibio. Claude, how are you doing today? And maybe could you introduce yourself for the audience? Sure. Uh, hi, hi there, Frank. And I'm uh, very pleased to be here, here with you today because uh, I value our association with Medical Alley very much and uh, I'm pleased to be here. So thanks for the opportunity. And uh, as you quite rightly say, I'm uh, the uh, Managing Director and also the found, one of the founding shareholders of Medibio Limited. Indeed. Well, um, tell us a bit about Medibio. Like, what is the company? What are you guys working on? And in, I know it's in the mental and behavioral health space, which has been a big, big area, but you guys have a pretty unique approach. We do. And uh, look, essentially, Med, uh, uh, Medibio is a mental health technology company, and we use artificial intelligence to identify biomarkers uh, and patterns to identify mental illness with a particular focus on depression. So in other words, we're looking for markers and patterns in the patient's own body that will provide us an indication of a mental health condition. And essentially we're looking at converting what currently are subjective methods, subjectivity into objectivity when it comes to mental illness. And that that seems like a really important point, that objective piece of it. What's the value of having more objective data in making diagnoses and helping to treat patients? Let let me answer that by saying this. In in 2014, the National Institute of Mental Health in the USA came out and said that they would no longer endorse DSM-5 due to its subjectivity. Wow. Uh, That's a huge statement for an industry body to, to come out with. And they further went on to say that we need an objective method of identifying mental illness. Now, that was music to my ears at the time because, you know, we had been looking at that very uh, process or that very thing uh, for, you know, years by then. So, look, the problem with, with subjective methods is that they depend heavily on the skill of the clinician and the candor of the patient, which in turn leads to variable outcomes. This may also lead to misdiagnosis that in turn uh, presents itself in in, uh, inadequate or inappropriate treatment. So, you know, it's important to to change subjective methods into objective methods using uh, the patient's own biology rather than someone's opinion of what they perceive themselves to be. Indeed, right. And and it's it's clear, especially in mental and behavioral health, so much of it is, right, 
what we tell the clinician, what the clinician knows. Exactly. It's very easy to understand how not having good objective biomarker type measurements could make treatment very variable. It could, as you said, misdiagnosed or even missed diagnoses. Yes. Makes exactly. a ton of sense. And, and the other point I'll make, Frank, is that, you know, uh, anyone who's been touched by depression or who knows someone that's been touched by depression, sometimes it takes months, if not years, to diagnose. Right. Um, so with the method that we're coming up with, you know, within 24 hours, you will be able to have an assessment. Now, I should add, you know, we would never believe that we would take replace a clinician's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What we aim to do is to give the clinician with the best possible uh, objective data mm -hmm. on which he can make a, a, a diagnosis or she can make a diagnosis. Indeed, right. Like having that better diagnostic, having better data, they can yeah. better care for their patients. And also, I would imagine with objective data, get more consistent results and information on therapies that are working or other things that might improve outcomes for future patients as well. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. Well, maybe going back a little bit, how'd this get started? Where'd the company come yeah. from? How'd, how'd we get to this point? That's that's a very good question. And look, uh, <laughs> I, look I, I'd like to tell this story because it, it starts way back in 2007 when the company was formed. In fact, it starts before 2007. But let me, let me take you back in, uh, from when uh, we, we started the company. And uh, it was a meeting between myself and two psychiatrists in Western Australia. Uh, and they were researching, uh, uh, they were searching for a better way or a quicker way of diagnosing depression, which, as we said earlier, often is difficult to diagnose. So what they were doing is they were looking at heart rate activity over a 24-hour period. They hypothesized that mental illness affects the central nervous system, uh, which in turn affects heart rate activity. Uh, they used to tell me, they used to say that the heart is the window into the central nervous system. So uh, they were looking at heart rate activity to locate the disruption between or to identify the disruption between mind and body, if I can put it that way. So in particular, they were looking at overnight heart rate activity because that's where there are no external influences. Uh, during the day, you have all sorts of, you have all sorts of things that would make your uh, stress levels go up and down, but they, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a mental illness, of course. So they were looking at overnight heart rate activity where there were no external influences and the heart rate ought to be calm uh, and, uh, and some heart rate uh, some heart rate patterns that that uh, displayed uh, something other than being calm you know they they indicate that there was uh, something else going on the studies resulted in sufficient evidence uh, of certain heart rate patterns being typical of mental health of certain mental health conditions so that gave us uh, enormous confidence to continue to research uh, that area so they they knew what the heart rate of a person that was not suffering from a mental illness should look like. In other words, someone that's normal, that doesn't have a, a mental illness, they knew what that heart rate activity level should be. So anything that was outside of that, uh, they, they uh, hypothesized that there was something going on with the mind that was affecting the central nervous system. So um, I immediately saw the value in what they were trying to do. You know, if I thought if we could prove this up as a method of, di of objectively diagnosing uh, a mental health condition, 
it, it would make such a difference to people's lives, not only of the patients themselves, but also of any, everybody around them, their work mm-hmm. colleagues, their family, their friends. So uh, I thought to myself, uh, uh, imagine diagnosing a mental health condition within 24 hours. You know, how powerful could that be? So I incorporated a company within which the research continued. Uh, and then in 2014, uh, for, uh, 15, sorry, uh, it became Medibio Limited. And the research continued under the, the banner of Medibio Limited. So it's interesting that the research we undertake today is very different from the research that we were doing back then because today we have very good heart rate monitors that can monitor your heart rate for days. Right. And, uh, when we started, we could hardly, we had to, be, in fact, we had to manufacture our own heart rate monitor because we couldn't find one that went for more than two hours. Yeah. And, and you know, we had to look at heart rate variability. Uh, sorry, we had to look at minute-by-minute uh, uh, minute heart rate. So we looked at uh, certain things then. Uh, we're looking at very different things today. We're looking at heart rate variability today. Uh, and we're using artificial intelligence, which wasn't around back then, uh, deep learning algorithms and neural network methodology. All of these methods have just evolved since we started looking at the methods that we're, that we're looking at. So the, ba- but the basic principle, even though the right. are, basic principle is the same, and that is that mental illness disrupts your central nervous system, and then you can see that disruption by looking at your heart rate and heart rate variability. Oh, that's amazing. Like it, it reminds me a lot that so often there are things we come to understand, but we don't yet have the right tools to fully appreciate it or interrogate it or develop it. And so as these other technologies have advanced, you guys have been able to build on that hypothesis and yeah. really prove out the, the situation uh, better than you probably could have imagined you know, back in 2007 when it was getting going. Oh, yeah. Look, Frank, yeah, I, I, look at, I, I have to smile when I look at the heart rate monitors that we used to use in those days compared to what <laughs> you can use today. <laughs> there were leads and wires going everywhere, whereas today you can literally find a heart rate monitor as big as a, a, a 20 cent piece and uh, Indeed. You know, put it on your chest and there you go for days. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. You, you mentioned uh, with the two psychiatrists in Western Australia, and, and I had alluded to this, that you guys are a little bit far away from uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul uh, in Australia, but the business operates globally and from a pretty early stage. Can you talk about that? Like, A, where is the company? Uh, and then B, how do you think about you know a global market or being a global business um, as a, a startup or scale-up company? We really are a global company. If we look internally, uh, we have software developers in the Ukraine. We have our medical team in Italy uh, and the US, of course. We have our regulatory affairs cl- uh, team here in the US. We have people in Australia. So we, we really do uh, seek the skills uh, where they are globally. So we, we don't limit ourselves to international borders. And But I have to say that uh, our main focus is the US, uh, mm-hmm. and it is the US because not only because it's a, a large market here, but also uh, with our uh, our first uh, product going through FDA processes. You know, if you can, if we can, um, uh, if we're successful in achieving uh, FDA approval, then other regulatory regimes around the world tend to follow suit. Mm-hmm. So, so our main focus, from a developmental point of view and a commercial point of view, is the USA. 
I know given it's a pre-commercial product, you can't say a too many things, but can you tell us what is that first product that you're working on that, yeah. you know, if it's cleared, would come to market? Yeah. Well, look, I should say that we have uh, two business units in the company. Mm. We have a clinical business unit and a non-clinical business unit. In terms of the clinical business unit, which is where the company started, we are focusing on identifying depression in patients that undergo a sleep study because they have a sleep disturbance problem. I think it's fairly well known and documented now that people that suffer from sleep disturbance also, um, most if not all, have some uh, mental health problem as well, you know, anxiety, depression. So that's where we've started. Uh, now, our product is going through the FDA as we speak. In fact, we've had a pre-submission with the FDA uh, to agree on endpoints for the final validation trial mm. of ME, what we call MEB001, which is our, uh, our set of algorithms or software that identifies depression in, in patients that undergo sleep study. So that's very exciting for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big market. I mean, uh, mental health is a, a big issue these days. And, uh, we, you know, whatever measure you want to choose, whether it's uh, annual health spending or the, the, the sheer numbers of people that are touched by mental, mental health problems, uh, in any way you, you chair, you take one cares to, to look at the problem, it's, it's a huge market. Mm-hmm. So, so that's our clinical side of the business. We, we do have uh, another one or two products that are in the developmental pipeline, but we're focusing very much on, on um, the MEB001, which is at the doorstep of FDA, uh, final FDA approval. So we, we hope to f- uh, finalise the validation trial over the next uh, six months and then the data from that trial will be used to apply for, for FDA approval. If, if we achieve that, uh, we can lay claim to being the, the world's first um, company that has a regulated, objective, data-driven test for a mental health condition. So right on. That, 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 yeah, that would be tremendous. And look, it's not only great for us, but it's also good for the industry. I think it will uh, enable the industry or it will make the industry uh, look at the diagnosis of depression perhaps in a different way. I don't want to be. I don't want to use the word revolutionize, but but it it will be revolutionary in the industry. Mm-hmm. It, it'll step up the game and kind of step up the expectations yeah. um, for patients, clinicians in the industry in a very positive way. Yeah, Indeed. I think so. Very nice. Um, so the oh, uh, I haven't finished answering. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. The the the, the, the non clinical side. See, we, what we what we thought in the early days was that um, uh, the FDA process is a long and arduous one. But how, how can we take the knowledge that we've gained over the years and how can we apply that to, to um, uh, a lot sooner? So what we did is we developed two products. Uh, they're essentially apps, one that targets the consumer directly uh, and that measures uh, your stress levels and helps you manage them uh, so to, to keep you out of the red zone, if I can put it that way. And the other one um, essentially is uh, the similar product, but it's aimed at corporations. So what we've done there is that uh, it, they will, uh, a corporation will offer the, the app to their employees, uh, and then uh, the corporation gets a de-identified aggregated data on uh, essentially the mental wellness of their workforce. Oh. And so it, it's, a, it's a very unique product, um, and we're very proud of it. So in other words... Uh, if I can give one example mm-hmm. of uh, back in Australia, uh, there, there's a larger global accounting firm that, that's using it now. We, we can tell the the uh, the human resources people which which one of their offices around the country are shaping up 
better ah. or worse than other offices. And what that does, of course, is that allows the, the company to focus their efforts in terms, because most companies uh, do a lot for people's mm-hmm. physical and mental wellness, but often they don't, they don't know whether those programs are working. So with our product, we can provide them with data Right. That allow them to make better decisions as to how they target those programs. Right. I, I could know if the programs are working, but I also could know where I need to focus more resources. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that um that's pretty incredible. We we've had a lot of conversations with members over the last, you know, two, three years in the the stress of the pandemic, the work from home, the hybrid work, all of these things that they are looking for new ways, better ways to support their employees. That's really fascinating to hear. I'd be curious, right? We've we've all gone through the pandemic in different ways. What's the last three years, what's the pandemic meant as far as how people are looking at mental or behavioral health issues and how has that impacted Medibio? Well, look, I I think it's fair to say that that it certainly heightened uh, Mm -hmm. people's interest in Medibio. I think the industry as a whole, I mean, we always knew that, um, that mental health, you know, is, a, is, a, is an issue for most developed countries. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were flying under the radar of the industry for quite some time. And, you know, since COVID's hit, and of course, since that statement back in 2000, I mean, it's a few years old now, but since that statement about, you know, changing uh, subjective methods into objective methods, Certainly, um, you know, th- there has been an increased interest in what, what we are doing and what we are trying to achieve. So from, I guess from that perspective, COVID, COVID has been good for us and that mm-hmm. has raised, helped to raise our profile a bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that one of the silver linings that comes out of this is the, the greater awareness, the greater recognition, and even just the, the greater comfort for people to engage in their own mental health. Sure. Um, that that will be a, a societal positive, but also a good for business. And if you're going to do business, this is a good area to be in, right? To be able to help people to make an impact. Like you could be doing worse things in the world. Yeah. Well, well look, uh, I, I should say that that's that's one of the things that that really uh, got me interested in this. Yeah. I mean, look, the commercial uh, the commercial side of the business, if we're successful, will be uh, you know will be very mm-hmm. very very rewarding. But but what's more rewarding for, for me at least is is that you know I, I can say that I've done something to to in a small way to help make people's lives better uh, and yeah. uh, we all know how depression affects people's uh, not not only the patient but the, the people around them their friends and family and it's and it can be devastating you know and and the thing is with with depression. Um, it, as we said before, it could last for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go, you know going untreated. The pain and suffering um, could could be ongoing for for many months, if not years. Indeed. So at least with this method, you could assess it uh, and you could uh, come to a diagnosis very quickly uh, and accurately. Uh, and then, of course, you can you know better tailor make the the treatment. And I should say, Frank, just at that that point, uh, one of the one of the real benefits of this technology is that you can uh, monitor a patient over time. Uh, and and you know one can a clinician can assess whether they're getting better or not. Uh, as we stand right. here today, there there really isn't uh, any tangible way of knowing whether a drug regime or or any treatment regime for that matter is working. Um, mm-hmm. 
the, our methods will allow that to, to, to happen. You know, uh, our objective method, you can baseline a patient one day, uh, treat them, and then monitor yep. them again to see if, if, if the treatment is working. And that, that would be tremendously impactful the, from yeah. the docs I've talked with. When they explain the pathways for treatment, they, they often, they freely admit the challenges they run into where you, you don't really know if it's working. And if you need to make a change, especially with some of the medications, the patient's got to let the drug flush out. Then you start a new drug. And yeah. the amount of time that gets spent that they know is ineffective and the patient is still suffering is just a, a tremendous burden. Anything that helps the doctor, helps the patient make those decisions better and faster, yeah, that that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I, I happen to think that the ongoing monitoring is even more powerful than yeah. the initial diagnosis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, maybe as we, uh, as we bring it in for a landing, last question I'd ask you is, you know, what's next for Medibio? What's on your radar for the rest of the year? Well, look, having said what I've just said, uh, the, you know, that's an easy question to answer. First and foremost, we need to get regulatory approval mm-hmm. for our uh, depression test. That, that's going to be uh, absolutely crucial for us, uh, and that's what we're working towards. So, so there's that. Uh, and then, of course, on the non-clinical side, the two products are relatively new, um, mm-hmm. the corporate product and the consumer product. So we're now uh, developing our go-to-market strategies for those. So we hope that they will... Uh, gain market penetration um, in both the corporate sector and the and the consumer. So so they're, they're the three the the regulatory approval for our first product and the go to market strategy for corporate and consumer. They're 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 the three areas of focus for us. Um, you know the the non clinical side of the business means that means uh, could, you know potentially it's early revenue for mm-hmm. us. The, the clinical side, of course, we need to get to regulatory approval approval before yep. we can start to commercialise that. But having said that, you know, we're not that far off anymore after many, many years uh, of research and, um, and, you know, and pain and suffering, if I can put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, we are at the tail end of the process now. Uh, we're only months away from the validation trial. Uh, and as I said earlier, uh, the data from that trial will be used to apply for a regulatory approval. So we're very excited. So it's a great, it's a great time to be involved right with Medibio, uh, either as a shareholder or as an industry participant, you know, mm-hmm. or a stakeholder. It's very exciting right time for no, that's, that's fantastic to hear. And I got to say a huge thank you to taking your time today to share that story because it, it's such an important area and the work you're doing truly was that I would use the word revolutionary that it could be a revolution in making the treat the, the diagnosis, the monitoring and the treatment of very serious conditions better. So thank yeah. you for spending the time with us, but more importantly, thank you for doing this good work. Uh, it's my, my pleasure for being here, uh, Frank, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about our technology and our company. Thank you very much. Indeed. And folks, that's another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to check out medicalalleypodcast.org or you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Until next time, have a great day.